Thank you once again for joining us today for our podcast. Emily Trotter and I are your facilitators through this journey. Very organic journey, isn't it? It sure is. Yeah, it seems like where we had thought that we would go has been ripped up, torn, and <laughs> remapped out. It's like a GPS, That's you know? That's right. Every time we make a turn, it says rerouting. Uh-huh. And then we are in the middle of a field. <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute, how do we get there? There's how no road. Uh, Thank you for for joining us. Um, This is episode four, and um, we're really glad that you are with us today. Thank you. Um, Last couple weeks, uh, we have been um, talking about the the Holy Spirit. Uh, Three weeks ago, we talked about uh, kind of just setting the stage on on the Holy Spirit. And uh, the week after that was a passage out of Ephesians, where we talked about the fullness of God, how uh, in Ephesians chapter 3, starting at verse 14 through 19, and then ending with this emphatic uh, doxology in verse 20 and 21, um, that how the Spirit is used to strengthen us, to help us uh, comprehend the depth, the width, the height, the, uh, the length of Christ's love for us. And in doing so, that brings us to a, uh, a fullness of God. And, um, and then last week, we, we talked about how do we awaken that. And, 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 and Emily, I got to ask, I mean, you know, if you think about the Holy Spirit, I think what has made this so organic and and such a wonderful journey, even though as we uh, look back, we see <laughs> structure in our rearview mirror more than yeah. we do ahead of us, yeah. is because there's not just one facet of the Holy Spirit, is there? No. And he has evidently been leading and maneuvering. <laughs> We've been very happy about that. Yes. Yeah. And uh, and so uh, we're we're going to jump into uh, the book of Acts today, and 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 what's interesting is that there are several great commissions. You know what the great commission is in Matthew chapter twenty-eight, where Jesus comes to his disciples and says, um, "All authority has been given to me. Go into all the world, uh, preaching, teaching, making disciples, and and baptizing them." And 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 the Matthews. Uh, foundation was on authority, that Jesus has the authority. Now he's giving his disciples the authority to do us, do this. And, and there is some connotations and some connections and implications based on the audience Matthew was writing to, right. Jews. John actually has a great commission also. And again, John is... Uh, writing from experience and knowledge from a different perspective. And and in John chapter 20, he walks into this locked up room and said, peace be with you. Now, listen, if you were one of those disciples <laughs> and you were scared at every creak and step and knock on the door and Jesus appeared, what would you say? Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> yes. And it would be correct. Yeah. <laughs> the, I mean... Hearing those words, peace be with you, uh, peace I leave to you, uh, it would be very um, organic for them too. Yes, absolutely. Well, and I saw something, of course, it was a meme on social media a day or two ago, and it was an angel actually that was like, peace be with you, do not be afraid. And he was like, I've really got to work on my entrances. (laughs) (laughs) People are always afraid. What what am I doing wrong? (laughs) 
The Great Commission John gives is is more of a modeling. Uh, Jesus says, "As the Father has sent me, so I send you." So if G- if the Father sent Jesus to redeem and to bring people to a place of repentance, repentance, repentance. Um, then, then there is this this connection that Jesus is now sending his disciples that repentance or forgiveness is available. Yeah, and and forgiveness is not declared by the disciples that you're forgiven, you're not forgiven, and you're <laughs> forgiven, and you're not forgiven. <laughs> thank goodness. Yeah, thank goodness. But they are the ones who proclaim that forgiveness has already been done, yeah. given in heaven. Yeah. And they are the proclaimers of that. Yeah. And so, but we get to Acts. Acts has this, this um, uh, great commission that kind of sets the trajectory of the rest of the book. And, um, and the, we're going to talk about that in just a few minutes, but we want to kind of set the stage. But just to let you know, the, the great commission is in Acts chapter one, uh, verse eight, where Jesus uh, um, actually tells his disciples that uh, you will g- receive power, um, you will receive the Holy Spirit, and, um, and the power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And what's interesting, um, that becomes a structure, doesn't it, for, for Acts? Yes, I read that it was, verse 8 was actually the outline for Acts, for what all is to come. Um, and that's another thing with inductive Bible study that they tell you, find that key verse. Find that out. Find the one that tells you what's going to transpire um, coming next and see what's going to happen. So it was very interesting to go, oh, wow, all these book, I mean, all these chapters, and it all comes back to verse 8 right here, and it tells you right at the beginning. So, Emily, you're, <clears throat> I, I love that because that is, what, when we go through the book of Acts, what we're going to see is we're going to come back to that verse. Mm-hmm. Not not just the Pentecost of what happened in chapter two, but what that verse actually sets up for the ordinary people who heard that. And I think that's an interesting um, uh, phrase there, the ordinary people. Yeah. I mean, how quickly we forget that these were not special, dynamic men and women of faith. No. I mean, we, we look at Abraham, do we, and Abraham, and say, "Man, I could never yeah. be Abraham, yeah. and let alone leave my home of the Chaldeans and Ur and travel to this land that God will show me." Um, yeah. But then sacrificing the willingness to sacrifice Isaac. I mean, yeah. Think about that. The great men and women of faith in the Old Testament. Yeah. They're just ordinary people, aren't they? Yes. They were ordinary people, and you can see, and the best thing about it is you can see their humanity. They do things the whole time that you go, oh, that sounds like something I would do. <laughs> I mean, even with the disciples, you know, Peter, we see very clearly what Peter's stripes are like, you know? Mm-hmm. We see how he reacts and what he says, and and we see John, who is a little more <laughs> subdued in his, the disciple that Jesus loved. <laughs> and then at the very end of John, he's like, by the way, that's me. <laughs> so, I mean, we see their humanity and see that um, along the way of who they are and that they were just regular people. What set them apart? I mean, think, I mean, you were just talking beforehand about Moses. Oh, yes. Um, which is an odd 
which was an odd thing. Talk about the Holy Spirit, which was an odd. I was looking up something else and saw that this author that I like wrote something about Moses. And I was like, I'm just going to check that out real quick before I get back to my looking about the Holy a Spirit. Goose chase? Yes, I'm going to just go down this rabbit hole for a second, then I'm going to come right back to the Holy Spirit and see what happens. Um, but the writer was talking about Moses and the burning bush. When Moses got close, God didn't immediately start saying, hey, Moses, over here, look, I'm a burning bush. Look, 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 isn't this neat? He waited to address Moses until Moses noticed mm. that the bush was burning. He already knew that he was on holy ground. He had taken his sandals off, and he's like, oh, my gosh, this, bu this bush is burning. And that's when God speaks to him. Mm. So the point was God waits for us to acknowledge something before coming in to take control or use that power to show us his power. So not special people. I mean, no. when you think of Isaiah chapter 6, and Isaiah is, is seeing the Lord high and lifted up, mm -hmm. um, it seemed like Isaiah was alone, and all of this stuff <laughs> is happening. And then God asked this question, you know, whom shall I send? Who shall I send? And I, I imagine Isaiah is like looking around. <laughs> nobody? Nobody else is. No, but nobody else is here. <laughs> Uh, okay. Me? Me? Oh. <laughs> yes. But it, it's that um, it, that these people were not men and women of extraordinary faith, where I could say, or you could say, yeah. if I just had their faith, or if I could just believe like them, what set them apart was that they were willing to listen. Yeah. And I think that's, that's important. That's dynamic. Oh, it's so important, the listening. It's so important. Um, and I, and talking about not wanting, needing big, important people to do, you know, um, the first time that I really ever experienced this feeling of being sent to do a job was my sister-in-law had um, good friends that were in town, and there was a tragedy with one of their children. Um, while they were here in Columbus and Jim and I knew them but not well and we happened to show up at a really heavy moment and the mama is just the daddy's inconsolable and the mama was just sitting on the ground with her head in her hands and I remember looking which is hard for me to see anyway but I remember looking around going no one is going to her why somebody needs to hug her <laughs> somebody's mm. got to comfort her in this moment and i stood there for a few minutes just looking around and nobody was going and i just felt the holy spirit say go go to her and at the time i didn't know it was the holy spirit i just knew that i felt this urge to move and i just went and sat beside her and just held her and just hugged her and i said i'm gonna pray for you and she just nodded her head. I mean, as she's just weeping, mm. I just started to pray. And I mean, it wasn't a very eloquent, beautiful <laughs> prayer. It was but it was organic. I work organically a lot. Um, but now looking back, I can say that that was the Holy Spirit calling me to move into that moment and do something that he wanted me to do. Did you approach that time and that 
that circumstance knowing what was going to happen? Absolutely not. We pulled up to um, their house and was like, oh, gosh, this is a mess. Oh, we wish we weren't here. Why did we come? <laughs> we didn't know why we were there. It felt, you know, we felt awkward. We felt out of place because, I mean, we didn't know them well. And we didn't know what to do. We didn't have any... You know, we had a child that <laughs> that had been sick, and we had been through, you know, the, what we had been through already. But um, I, we just were kind of awkward, and, oh, maybe, you know, and Jim, I think, had said, well, we'll go in, say hey, and then leave. And uh, that is not exactly what happened. So, I mean, it just was bizarre. I mean, there's no other, you know. If, if God would have told you as you were driving there what were you were going to do, you, uh, this is what you're going to see. This is what you're going. This is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to react in this scenario. How would that have affected your anxiety level as you were going there? Oh, it would have been through the roof. <laughs> and it would not have been what needed to be done because I would have gotten in the way. Tell me, but, but let's, I mean, th this is interesting because this is exactly what I think is the tension in so many people's spiritual life when it comes to the Holy Spirit. We we claim that what we want is we want to know. Yeah. We want to know exactly what happened. But then what we, we, when we do know, what happens is then we try to figure out what we are going to do. Yeah. And and what's missing is that um, that that uh, trusting that faithfulness that God is is actually in control that god is going to work in this this scenario yeah this willpower this this that god needs me and god chose me because i have so many gifts or graces no god chooses people god uses people who are willing to listen at that moment yeah well and not even knowing that you're listening no, that's exactly right. I mean, it's not like all those years ago. I guess this was a, about 10 years ago or 11 years ago, somewhere around there. It's not like 10 or 11 years ago I was going, okay, I'm on ready. I'm ready to go. Let's go. Let's go. Mm -hmm. Let's go. I, that's not where I was. And I don't know that I'm still, I guess, but I, I think that's, but I've gotten better at it. And I'm not saying that I... Just like I'm sure, well, you may. You may sit on go all the time, <laughs> ready, just ready to go. But I'm not ever always ready. And I think in the spring when we started looking at Mark, that was something that, that you know, and I saw something else recently that said, remember back in January when we were just worried about World War Three mm. <laughs> and, you know, nuclear Iran. <laughs> we were worried about that in January. And now look at all that's happened. Mm. But, you know, in January, when we were about to get into Mark, I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, I just feel this urgency. I really feel urgency. And so as we started Mark, Mark is a very urgent book. And he jumps in. He doesn't give you all the background. He doesn't make the story pretty and flowery. He gives you the facts, and then he moves on. Next, we're going on to next. And that urgency of what's happening. And I have, so looking at that, and no, I'm not ready all the time, but looking at that at Mark and looking at the verses that say, be ready, mm. be alert, know what's going on, have your house 
ready, have everything ready to go so that in this waiting, in this idle time, you're not caught off guard and you're not left scrambling like, where are my keys? I got to go, you know, that kind of thing. I, I um, we, we talked before this that I, I just I felt that for this particular episode, there's my mind is uh, discombobulated. Yeah, it's it, there's a lot of muddiness in mm-hmm. in this, and and I got to tell you, I never expected that this organic turn would make <laughs> in what we're doing. I mean, yeah. but that's 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 the beauty of this. Yeah, but there are pages and pages of preparation notes and quotes that I clip. I, I sat in, in my office this morning and I'm thinking, how do I organize all this? I mean, I started, you know, I had a pretty good idea, but I'm more, when I work on a sermon, there's, there's so much that gets cut to the floor that never make the sermon. And, and, yeah. and I'm like, say, God, why, why do you need me to know these things? What, what's going on? And, and I get that there's this wow. progress. There's this, this journey that I go through to yeah. get to this. But what I also believe is that the Holy Spirit knows what is tomorrow, next week, next year, 10 years down the road. Yeah. And he knows what we get today will be useful for those times. It's like, it's like Satan has no idea. Our enemy has no idea what tomorrow holds. But God does. Yeah. And he uses things in our present and our past to prepare us for the future. The problem is, yeah. is that many of us wear these blinders. Right. That we cannot see the immediate past and the immediate future, and everything is driven by what is going on in the present. The disciples were no different. No. I mean, they, when you talk about ordinary people, Luke says in Acts 4.13 that when, after Peter and John healed this man, the Religious leaders actually say in 4.13, they saw the boldness of Peter and John. They perceived, notice what they perceived first, that they were uneducated, common men. And they were astonished. What they actually concluded was what set them apart. It was what they recognized that they had been with Jesus. And then Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 1.26, and he's talking about the, the Christians there. For consider your calling, brothers and sisters. Not many of you were wise. I have, I mean, come on, right out of the gate. Not to the end of chapter one. Paul says, hey, you're not wise. According to worldly standards. And not many of you were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. And then the two greatest words in the Bible, but God. Yeah. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. And God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. And God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing that things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. There's something about that. There's something about how the Holy Spirit is at work in us right now, not to make us wise and strong and have resources. Yeah but to make us people who are willing to listen. Ah, man, that is, that is exceptional. Well, and it makes us dependent on him. Mm. 
we can't I can't I mean I can sit here and talk about whatever it is I mean let's take the Holy Spirit for instance (laughs) that has so many books written about it all these scholars that have dug deep and I mean I'm just I mean who am I who are we who am I to be able to sit here and discuss it Mm. you know we're just normal people yeah and 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 the reason that that's important is because I cannot say, I absolutely can never say, oh, well, you know, I spent a lot of time reading my Bible. Yeah, that's why I know all these answers. I got it. <laughs> yeah. I can't say that because I could sit and read it all day long, every single day, cover to cover. And without the Holy Spirit, I would know nothing. And I mean, that's the point. So that in that moment when someone says, gosh, Emily, and this is so, and also this is so uncomfortable for me. (laughs) It's so uncomfortable. Um, You know, y'all, Laura was saying, Laura and I were talking about, you know, gosh, going in the sanctuary and saying the announcements when there's no one in there. And, you know, you know, for John and Shane or anybody else that's doing anything for the service, you know, they're doing this with no one and it's just weird. And I was like, Oh, I like that better. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have to look at anybody. I don't have to see anybody. I can just say whatever I want and not have to. I mean, that's why people get in trouble on social (laughs) media too. You can just, you don't have to look at anyone boring holes into you. So it's so uncomfortable for me to say, for to someone to say, gosh, Emily, thank you. That, that meant a lot to me. Because quite honestly, and I'm, just, I'm not trying to seem so humble and, hu- and be full of humility, but honestly, the God's honest truth, I didn't say it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know the answer. Yeah. I don't know. Anything that I have said that has been helpful to someone or has made anyone feel better is simply because of the Holy Spirit. And, and I'm sure you can say that as well. Absolutely, and the and it and the willingness to respond, the willingness to listen, the willingness to put your ear to the ground at least and hear that reverberating echo of the Holy Spirit all around us. Yes, and I don't think that we understand too how great that is, mm. because no matter what is going on in my house. And with my children, with my husband, outside, you know, my walls, in the city, in the country, no matter what else is going on or how upset I might be about something else, if I am following what the Holy Spirit is leading me to do, that feels good and brings joy. Do you always, do you, do you recognize it when it's happening? When, I mean, it's, you know... I, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago the, the Levi Lusco in his book um, In the Eyes of a Lion where he talks about losing a child, he and his wife and the family. And, 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 and he said a lot of times the fingerprints of God are only seen in the rearview mirror. I mean, how do you go? I mean, when you're, when you're in those moments where the Holy Spirit is using, what is one of the uh, prerequisites of of being willing to listen, not just a willing, I mean, you're just, I mean, you're looking around, you're seeing, you're hoping that, that there are glimpses of God's grace yeah. that are going on around us. 
And I think there's there's distractions. I was, I was I don't know. I, I didn't come up with this, but it sure does pertain to a lot of things that I, I do have interests in. Mm-hmm. I have interest in technology and how things get connected. I mean, yeah. in this room right now, there are eight <laughs> wires that are going out the door <laughs> and that are connected through routers and switches and things like that that get back to a room that is about uh, 150 feet away. It's, I mean, how it's all recorded and all that kind of thing, yeah. th- those things. But then there's, you know, we see the wire, but then there's those communications that are happening in the air around us that we don't even realize. Yeah. That there are radio signals. Yeah. You know, uh, sunny 10-something, I guess, here in Columbus. <laughs> there's, there's I, I don't remember all the, the call letters, but there are there are radio stations right now that there are, they are blaring music through airwaves yeah. around us. Columbus is at school right now on Wi-Fi. <laughs> yeah, I know. Thousands, tens of thousands of students. Yeah. Um, it, our cell phones have radio phones that have radio. They're connecting to towers wirelessly. And there's Bluetooth, there's Wi-Fi, there's TV stations that are, are broadcasting, satellites that are shooting down things. And I am unaware of them all. Yeah. Until... I turn on my iPad and I can't find internet and I look, the Wi-Fi is not working. Yeah. And then I'm aware of it and I'm trying to figure out why am I not connecting to that or the, can, there's a, yeah. something wrong. And I think that's the way it is a lot of times in a very simplistic, forgive the simplicity of it, but the Holy Spirit and God's movement around us is all around encompassing us, enveloping us. I mean, if it was not true, Paul says that it is through Christ that is holding us all together, holding everything together. There's this holding together. And we just need to tune in. Yeah. We need to be aware. Our antenna needs to be tuned into that to see. How, How do you do that? How do you, do you have, uh, what, what spurs, around you what spurs your heart and your mind to see those glimpses of god that are could easily be just passed up and you miss i think you have to condition yourself and i if i ever feel a big emotion if i'm ever really happy or really sad you know really angry if i feel a big emotion I've kind of taught myself (laughs) through some very extensive therapy um, (laughs) and lots of hours studying that that's a moment to, number one, just take a deep breath and kind of back up a minute and then to go, okay, well, well, let's look at this. What's, what, what's the root of this? What, what does this mean? Why am I doing this? Um, Because it can cause you to enjoy something that's there. Mm. and say a quick, thank you, Lord, for this. This is beautiful. This is great. My goodness, this is a wonderful time. Glad I'm here doing this. It can make you grateful, and it'll bring your attention to, why did this happen? Mm. What what am I supposed to learn in this moment? Um, how do I get involved in this moment? Is there something that I should be doing? And, I mean, a lot of times the Holy Spirit doesn't say anything. And I think too that, and we we did 
we had a text about this a couple weeks ago. I don't remember when or why, but um, just the willingness to listen and the willingness. I think sometimes God just wants to know that we're willing, that we are saying, put me in, coach. Not necessarily that he's going to put us in. He wants us to have that willingness to do it. because I think about, and this may be wrong, so here's where the here's where the preacher, the rev's going to get in and see and correct me if I'm wrong. But the parable about the rich young ruler who comes and says, "What must I do?" And he's like, "Sell everything you have, and come and follow me." And the ruler is like, "Oh, well, I got lots of stuff. Oh well, bye." Do I think that God wants all of us to sell all of our possessions and give to the poor and follow, you know, sit up here at the church and wait for God to move? Not necessarily, but he wants us to be willing to do that if he asks. I think it was interesting, Emily, is that you bring that up. Uh, as, um, I can't remember, if I, again, where I read this, if it was Richard Foster or John Eldridge recently, but um, not he. They, they say not all of the Bible is about me. Yeah. But all of the Bible is for me. Yeah. And, and I think that that is, um, that is uh, so important to see, okay, where am I in that moment of being, you know, the rich young ruler? Does God No, that, that was Jesus conversation. But what do I take from it? What do I learn from it? Could God ask me to sell everything? Sure. Am I willing to, Mm, I'm not sure, but there goes the, there goes the, um, the I don't know part, you know, would I be willing to do that? I mean, if yeah. with your driving over to your, your friends and, and knowing that in this catastrophic time, if you knew exactly what God wanted you to do, you would probably have gone in overdrive like I would have emotionally yeah. and worrying about it. But God was just wanting us to be willing. Yeah. Now, will we have the power to do that and be obey? Well, that's for the moment because the Holy Spirit there's there's where we rely on that power yeah that's where we rely on what god is going to do when we do say yes if we're willing to do that well and he says go you go and tell and we and like you were saying last week when when, as a teenager saying you're going to go and you're going to be a missionary and you're going to go into africa and you're going to india (laughs) you're going to china you're going wherever you're you're going to the ends of the earth and you say yes but not really. <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. well, we, so God says go, and we have to get ready to go. Yes. Yes. And Maybe be, not immediately. And realize at that moment, when we are um, put into that, that, that moment where we have to step out even further in faith, yeah. that God doesn't leave us alone. No. That, uh, so in Acts 1, we see that these disciples even after spending three years with Jesus, seeing him part, uh, 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 multiply food, heal the sick, raise the dead, mm. be with people who were marginalized, pray in, in the wee hours of the morning or evening, and, and they were with him for three years. We, I can understand, you know, them missing some things. Yeah. But then in Acts 1, you have uh, verse uh, 3 
that uh, Jesus, that Luke says that Jesus presented himself alive to them. Okay, so now Jesus, they watched him crucified. They saw him buried. They saw him raised from the dead. And now 40, you know, 40 days of this appearing, Jesus presented, and Luke says, alive, okay? <laughs> now, even seeing Jesus alive was not enough for them. Yeah. Jesus is spending now 40 days, it says, teaching them about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. You see, the idea that the disciples had was the kingdom of Israel. Yeah. That the kingdom of God was going to be in the kingdom of Israel instead of the kingdom of Israel being in the kingdom of God. I mean, look how um, they respond in uh, Acts 1.6. So that when they came together, they asked the Lord, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel, the kingdom to Israel? And so here, even in this place, they're still not getting it. On day 40. Yeah. Okay. Let alone the three yeah. years. That's some pretty cool stuff. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. Yes. But then you see the magnificent empty tomb. You can, they, they, were, they could go to the empty tomb and see it and remind. Even that wasn't up. Something else had to happen. Something else was still missing in their lives. Yeah. They were still trying to grasp around. Even them asking, is this the time that you were restored? They still had this idea that the kingdom was going to be restored like the Davidic days. And that yeah. they were going to have the boundaries and they could say who's in and who's out. Yeah. Is, it, is this the time? And Jesus doesn't even give an answer to that. He says, <laughs> oh well, my gosh. what does he say? He says, uh, you know, it's not for you to know the time or the seasons that uh, the father is fixed on his own. That's another way of saying Shoot, you people. Yeah, hush. Yeah, hush. It don't, and I love those moments where Jesus is talking to them and they ask an absurd question, even though we're all like, Yeah, is that what that means? And Jesus doesn't go, Are you kidding me? <laughs> have you not been listening to everything I have just said to you? Have you not been listening to everything that we've just covered? I mean, it reminds me of Mac's second grade classroom uh, right now that's doing online, that they have these brain breaks. And I, every, after every single one, one of those children will raise their hand on that computer and say, I need to go to the bathroom. And she says, we just got done with the brain break. That is what we're like. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, it's, when's the next break? I, I'm 30 minutes. You'll get another chance. But they keep saying, wait, you mean now? Does that mean now? Yeah. Is this you're doing it now? Is this, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you want us to do this, but does that mean that we're going to be in our rightful place again? We're going to, we're not going to have to deal with the Romans. We're not going to have to deal with all these people, right, yeah. God? That's what you mean. Yes. You, they, they saw the kingdom of God as a political kingdom, that it was going to come, uh, the army was going to come in, is going to defeat their oppressors. Yeah. But that wasn't it. Mm -mm. After Jesus says, and of course, in, you know, Luke's words, maybe in our vernacular, he would have said, oh, hush. <laughs> and then in verse seven, he said, or verse eight, he says, but very strong contrast word. 
you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now, there are places in the scripture where Jesus actually declares something before that, you know, that they feel like they're ready. Like, you are salt, you are light. Mm-hmm. All right, Matthew chapter 5, yeah. you are the salt of the world, you are the light of the world, okay? Not you will become, not I will give you the tools to do this. No, you are. But Jesus, we don't feel like that. Yeah. We're not ready for it. It doesn't matter. You are. Yeah. Okay? This is something that's going to happen in the future. There's. We're going to talk more about this next week, but the waiting. I mean, the oh. the, the the time that it took for that promise to happen. Yeah. The waiting. But look and notice, as if, if Acts 8, 1 verse 8, um, as you said, sets the trajectory, is that theme, that theme uh, verse for the rest of the book. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And what's dynamic about that is that Pentecost in Acts 2 is where these men and women actually changed. I mean, the fumbling, bumbling Peter. Yeah becomes the direct, expressive, and courageous Peter. Yeah. The, the, the change that happens in these men, the disciples' lives, and the men and women who followed alongside and saw and witnessed all of this, the, it was transformational in their lives. And it was because of that promise in John, the Holy Spirit will come. Yeah. This is what I got to go. But when I go, the Holy Spirit will come. And notice that what the power will actually uh, do in the people is not necessarily miracles. Yeah. Even though sometimes it happens. Yeah. It's not going to be... Um, the uh, wonderful works of God that, you know, although sometimes that will happen. Yeah. But you will be what? The power to be his witness. Yeah. His witness. Yeah. And I think that is so true. Because how many times, even as clergy and even as a minister and even as a dad, even as a husband, even as someone who's just shopping in the grocery store, mm-hmm. I'm scared sometimes, you know, what someone might say or think Yeah. if I said, well, I'm a Christian. Sometimes and you know, that comes yeah. up, you know, it yeah. comes up inside of you. Am I behaving in a way that is worthy of my calling? Mm. I'll get you every time. That's one of those verses you want to forget. (laughs) But that's the power that happens. That's what the promise of the Holy Spirit, when people are filled with the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts, the majority of the time. Yeah, and I think Peter is such a... He, we saw, I mean, the last conversation that he had with Jesus before the crucifixion was, you're going to deny me three times. And he says, no, 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 no. No, I'm not. I will never do that. And then lo and behold, he does. And Jesus knows that he does. 
And so Peter deals with that. And then my favorite thing is when he appears back to them on the Sea of Galilee when they're fishing Mm -hmm. in that boat. And Peter, when John says, that's Jesus. Peter jumps into the water and swims ashore. He's not embarrassed. He's not ashamed. He is ready to be back with Jesus. And when he gets there, that whole exchange between Peter and Jesus is so beautiful to me because Peter denied him three times, and then Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? Yes, yes, Lord, you know I do. Do you love me, Peter? Yes, yes, okay. And then the third time he says, you know our hearts. You know I love you. And Jesus says, okay. And I think that that's such a good thing for us to remember as we look to find the Holy Spirit is even when we mess up, Even when we're Peter and we leave the Savior of the world to die on the cross without our support, he's standing on the shore waiting for us to come back. And he knows how we feel. And I think that, and I can't speak for all the other disciples, you know, we don't get that. We don't get those intimate details about all of them. Mm -hmm. But I think that that speaks so much to Peter that when Jesus finally does say, I want you to go. And I want you to tell, and you're going to get, the Holy Spirit is going to come to you and give you this power. He's going to, you know, whatever, whoever, whatever else he may have told them in those 40 days. And then for Peter to be able to say, okay, as they watch Jesus leave, you have to have that brokenness and that redemption. You have to know that. You have to know that forgiveness. And what it feels like to have Jesus standing on the shore saying, come on, swim faster, come on. In my mind, they embraced. I don't know if they did or not. If I would have. I would have run and thrown myself at Jesus and immediately been saying, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for what I've done. I can't believe you were right. You said you were right. And then to see him ascend back into heaven, yeah, bring the power. Bring it. I'm it's a ready. New day. And I think that's why Peter was so poised to take charge and to say, I got this. I can repay this because I know of what you've already done. I think that that is, I think that it gives us a glimpse into a starting point. I mean, I, I, I don't know who's listening and who's watching this or how many years that this has uh, down the road from the day that we are actually doing this. But what I do know that what is true today about this fact is going to be true tomorrow, mm-hmm. next week, next year, next decade, is that one of the things that the Holy Spirit does it gives us a power to comprehend and understand the love of Christ for us. Mm-hmm. And just maybe, just maybe you might be saying to yourself, but I don't know that. I don't know the Holy Spirit. I can't recognize. 
spend some time just just meditating and thinking about the depth of what Christ has done for us. His death, his resurrection, and what that means. As Paul writes in Romans 5.1, that through the, uh, the work of Christ, we are at peace with God. Mm. Yes, and amen. Yes, <laughs> and amen. Well, thank you once again for joining us today. Uh, episode five will pick up right where we left off today. May God hold you all in the palm of, your hand, of his hand and remind you in some special way today of his love and his presence and his grace and his forgiveness for you. Mm. Amen. Amen.